On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, should the Toronto Raptors offer up Scotty Barnes in a hope of landing Damian Lillard from the Blizzards? Today's guest, Michael Pina from The Ringer, thinks so. Let's get to it. On today's episode, we'll dig into every single angle of Scotty Barnes, Damian Lillard, and what the Raptors should do as they are sitting at a very precarious crossroads. Let's get to it. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary three by Mopi. Get that garbage out of here. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, July the 21st, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, join the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description. It's a great place to come hang out. Very pleasant disagreement and agreement about your Toronto Raptors. Plenty of place to spiral as well. We've got a little hoop grids competition going in there now too. Come hang out. Great little community we got building around the show. Link is in the description as always. And a reminder, you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcasts on all the different audio apps and of course on YouTube. Hit the big red subscribe button and support the show and make my ego just get that much bigger. I would very much appreciate it. All right, let's get to it. Very excited about the very first guest ever on Locked On Raptors way back in like 2016. He is now with The Ringer. It is Michael Pina and uh, we are here to talk about your piece from last week digging into why the Raptors should maybe look into dealing Scotty Barnes in the interest of getting Damian Lillard on their team. Michael, how the hell are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Sean. Uh, you mentioning hoop grids in the intro, <laughs> that's just a summer addiction for me. And <laughs> I almost just closed this tab and opened up hoop grids uh, <laughs> and abandoned you. So uh, it's getting pretty dark with me and hoop grids right now yeah it's really really tapping into my nba live 2002 <laughs> through six playing days it's like yep. oh kelvin cato played for the knicks and the magic yes <laughs> it's uh yeah it's pretty it's it's, it's like devolved into full-on sicko mode uh some of the the polls there's actually a raptors tie-in on this one we won't spoil for anybody but uh if you haven't played hoop grids come do it and also again in our discord we got a little hoop grids chat going if uh you know we want to see i think someone got like an 88th percentile score today very very good stuff incredible anyway. stuff yeah, very impressed. Let's uh, dive in, shall we, to uh, something else that's been a big summer addiction, which is refreshing trade rumors and trying to piece together what the hell the Raptors are going to do next. Uh, the Raptors are in a weird spot. I don't think i got to tell anybody that. We know this. Uh, we've dug into all the different sort of avenues they can go down. Last week, everyday listeners of the show will remember, we talked about the argument in favor of going forward with the Pascal-Scotty duo and how you would rework the roster around them, maybe beginning with an OG and an OB trade for a couple of pieces, etc. Etc. Et Today we're going to dig into the sort of nuclear option, if you will, of just trading Scotty Barnes to go all in right now with Damian Lillard as the ideal target. Uh, Mike, you wrote this yesterday, last week for The Ringer. It's linked in the description for people who have not read it yet. But what was your impetus for putting together this fake trade? And what is the sort of reasoning behind it if you're the Toronto Raptors through the eyes of you, uh, armchair GM Michael Pina? 
So, I mean, it all begins, I guess you could say it goes back to last year, the trade deadline when the Raptors decided, you know, there was all these rumors about Toronto um, hitting the reset button, trading Fred Van Fleet, a free agent to be uh, OG Ananobi, constant rumors about <laughs> would they, you know, get three firsts for him, four firsts for him from the Memphis Grizzlies, just wild stuff. And instead of doing that, they decided to add Jakob Pertl, a free agent to be himself. They re-signed him this offseason to a pretty big contract that's fine. I like Jakob Pertl. But it kind of begins there. And then we get to the summer, and they don't get to keep Fred Van Vliet, who decides to go to the Houston Rockets on a massive contract. And from that point on, it's like, okay, so what is the direction of the franchise? You lost your second best player, I would say, maybe, arguably, for nothing, which is not ideal for a team that wants to be competitive. And I know that Masai Ujiri has used the word win repeatedly in every single press conference that he's given <laughs> to the media. So clearly he wants short-term success. Um, and... You know, the team was really bad last year when Fred Van Vliet was not on the court. He's just a really important, solid player. And their their pivot immediately was to use the non-taxpayer mid-level on Dennis Schroeder, who was a backup for the Los Angeles Lakers last season and is best suited to come off the bench somewhere. Mm -hmm. So you just look at the roster now, and it's just... You know, it's weird, Mike. It's, it's really weird. It's very weird. <laughs> you don't know what the direction is. They're not good enough to make a deep playoff run as currently constituted. They have Pascal Siakam's free agency hanging over their head. They have whatever happens with and his extension, which obviously I don't think is going to happen. It could, but I don't think it will. Mm -hmm. um, and OG Ananobi is probably almost definitely going to opt out of his contract next year also. So they have that hanging over their head. And it's just a big pivot point of what direction do you want to go? Do you want to uh, take steps backward and rebuild around Scotty Barnes, who was, you know, rookie of the year uh, two years ago and then had a semi-disappointing uh, sophomore season, but is still very good and going that path wouldn't be wrong. And, you know, you... Uh, yeah, so you you have these these questions, um, big picture questions about yourself as a franchise, and meanwhile, you don't have a point guard, in my opinion, like a starting caliber point guard, and you are in a this time in the NBA where there is no uh, dominant juggernaut, and if you were to add, say, a Damian Lillard who is available, you could make who was under contract for the next four years you mm -hmm. could conceivably make a deep playoff run if you kept og if you kept pascal you have Jakob pertle you have pieces that would just make a lot of sense around damian lillard and i think if you were to trade for him this would be the best supporting cast that he's ever had in his career i think it's fair to say so it's like the supporting cast it feels like they've been trying to build around him and failing to for exactly like many, many years at this point 100 percent. you've got the long rangy wing defenders you've got a, a an all nba forward in pascal siakam as the quote-unquote sidekick it's just it would it just you have rim protection you have pick and roll partners you have three-point shooting you have uh just a lot of stuff that would mm -hmm. be really fun to play with and if you look around the east there's just question marks about every team that is a pseudo contender you have the celtics who just completely are altering their identity and we don't know how good they're going to be and you're definitely we, not mad about that are you 
No, not at all. No. <laughs> We're processing still, I think. Um, you have the Sixers in turmoil with James Harden's situation. You have uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. They're running it back after a first-round exit. Uh, so and they're very old, notably, as well, around Giannis. Yes, 100%. Um, a lot of injury-prone stuff going on there. So there's just a window here, I feel like, and an opportunity. And if you want to win this would be the trade to do it. And I don't think you're short-circuiting anything, honestly, if you do do it. I think you're a very good basketball team. Um, and the trade that I specifically outlined in my column, uh, I just think kind of is a best of both worlds for mm -hmm. both sides, honestly. So let's uh, bring up the uh, the trade. I, I made one slight alteration to your trade, Mike. I swapped out Otto Porter Jr., who I think would be a pretty useful player to have next to Dame, who I'm not sure the Blazers have use for. And I threw Malachi Flynn in just as like salary ballast. Uh, and so here's the deal. You've got Dame Lillard, Nas Little going to the Raptors, Gary Trent Jr., Chris Boucher, Scotty Barnes, Thad Young, Malachi Flynn, unprotected 2028 20, first. Then you had a pick swap in 2029 as well in there. Uh, I, I am with you. I think it like kind of scratches both teams' backs, if you will. I think Scotty, I mean, I was dreaming of Scotty and Scoot in Toronto <laughs> leading into the draft, considering all the noise around the third pick. And if you can't see it in Toronto, I'd be all right seeing it out in Portland for sure. I think he'd be a perfect dude to pair with their young guards. And for Dame, yeah, I mean, like, you, notably, a lack of a point guard on this Raptors team. It's a pretty enormous, vacant hole that Fred VanVleet left behind. Dennis Schroeder can fill in some of it, but certainly not the three-point shooting element of it and a lot of the other stuff. It's, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I'm with you in that I think it would make the Raptors into, like, a pretty clear contender to win the East. You know, is, there's no guarantees, obviously. Things can go awry playoff matchups, et cetera, et cetera. But I think all you can really hope to do is give yourself a puncher's chance in the NBA, especially in this the time of parity. And I think this would absolutely do that. Let's come back on the other side, Mike. We're going to get into the specifics of what the roster would look like in Toronto uh, and sort of how it would stack up with the other squads in the East, how they'd fill out the roster. You know, is a Dame, Pascal, OG, Yakupertle top four, a championship level top four? We'll talk about that in just one sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. Let's uh, tell you about FanDuel right now. It's the perfect time uh, to take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200 back. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. No downside whatsoever. That's 200 bucks. You could spend on everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. I made a little same game parlay yesterday when I went to the Blue Jays game with our pal Vivek, and uh, it didn't quite work out for me, but I had a lot of fun with it anyway. And hey, you know, the Blue, Blue Jays won, so there was no downside for me. It's all in an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to 200 bucks in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, we continue on here. Michael Pina of The Ringer along as we are talking about Scotty for Dame, uh, a trade that I know makes a lot of Raptors fans angry because there's, a, I think, a pretty understandable fascination with what Scotty Barnes could be. And I should say, while I have been championing this kind of trade for weeks on the podcast, I don't begrudge anyone who is against the idea. Of course, there are the downsides. Dame's 33. He makes a whole lot of money. You're going to be a second apron team probably in pretty short order. There are reasons mm -hmm. to not do it. Scotty Barnes is very good. That said, the roster would be pretty damn sweet if this trade went down, Mike. Uh, the sort of 
depth chart I've envisioned uh, here, and you know the Raptors only have like 12 players on their roster, so there would have to be some minimums added. We can talk about how they might do that. Most of the minimums are on the Phoenix Suns now, so it's a little bit hard to find guys. Uh, but you'd have like a Dame, Schroeder, Jeff Doughton, point guard position. OG Ananobi, I assume, kind of slides in as your two guard, as he was last year when the Raptors skewed big. Grady Dick as your backup two guard. You got Nasir Little, I think slots in beautifully as another long, rangy wing type uh, as your starting three. You got Jalen McDaniels, who I think even could maybe squeeze into the starting conversation too. Uh, Otto Porter Jr., Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua at the four, then Jakob Pertl, Christian Coloco as your bigs. And then, yeah, you know, you want to go find yourself a Jalen Noel or a Terrence Ross. Please, a Terrence Ross, uh, Bismack Biombo. <laughs> Derek Jones Jr., whoever it might be, uh, fill out the roster. There's plenty of dudes there. But to you, Mike, does that roster, like, where does that rank, do you think, just in the Eastern Conference hierarchy as these teams stand right now? Of course, we don't know what the hell is going to happen with the Sixers. we got the Cavs as well. I think, you know, the comparison point, frankly, here would be the Cavs and their Donovan Mitchell trade. Um, But I think the Raptors roster might make a little bit more sort of seamless sense right away. Where are you at on like a Dame, OG, Little, or McDaniels, or whomever, Siakam, Pirtle starting five, and how that would stack up in the East? I think it's really good. It's sensible. Um, I mean, it begins with Dame, right? Like, mm-hmm. Dame is so good. I really, I just don't think, maybe people are sleeping a little. Like, I, I First of all, I totally understand the... Uh, the hesitation to do a trade like this because Scotty Barnes's future is super bright. I'm super mm-hmm. high on him. Love everything about him. Don't really care too much about his second year. I think he'll bounce back in a monstrous way. He'll be a multiple time all-star. He'll potentially make all NBA teams. He's amazing in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. So I, I totally get why Raptors fans do not want to give him up. But again, Dame is coming off the best year of his career. He's hyper efficient. He's, um, an incredible pull-up three-point shooter from like 30 feet out. Mm-hmm. He stretches the defense in a way that makes everyone else around him better. He's a terrific pick-and-roll playmaker. He gets downhill, goes to the free-throw line, finishes at the rim b- despite his size. I think with Jakob Pertl, that pick-and-roll – I mean, Raptors fans saw it last year with Fred Van Vliet. Um, the Fred Van Vliet, Jakob Pertl pick-and-roll after the All-Star break was like incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – I think that you could stagger Dame with Siakam and have like a pretty good offense and you can mm-hmm. placate OG and Anobi in a lot of ways too. OG obviously wants more offensive responsibilities. I don't know necessarily if he's up to assuming them, but I think there's an opportunity for him to fill that void a little bit. There'll be more touches available for him. Um, and I think depth is certainly a, a question here. You're asking... Sure. Like, you're asking quite a bit from a Jalen McDaniels who was played out of the second round against the Celtics um, Mm -hmm. and has some question marks on his game and was a little disappointing, I think, in Philadelphia, but is still a tantalizing athlete with length who makes sense, particularly just in, you know, the regular season when you need a body like that. I think he makes he's a a really good fit. Sure. Uh, You're asking, you know, a rookie like Grady Dick to step in right away and hit shots and space the floor. You're going to need that. Um, You're going to need health from guys like Precious Achua, Nasir Little, who's often hurt, um, Mm -hmm. but is a really talented depth piece. Um, So there's. You know, there's a. I, th- I haven't mentioned Dennis Schroeder yet, who's really interesting here because he slides in as the backup one. And mm-hmm. that's just really, I mean, a, a huge benefit of getting Dame is 
okay, we might have, I don't know if D Dennis Schroeder is going to win sixth man of the year, but he's as pesky, as effective as any backup point guard in basketball, I think. For sure. So that role right there makes a lot more sense. And yeah, Pascal can only benefit. OG can only benefit um, with all the attention that Dame is going to attract. I think those guys will really step up offensively. And then I think defensively they have the pieces, the bodies, the um, you know the defensive intuition to really cover for Dame in the regular season. Um, and then in the playoffs, you know, I think a lot of the playoffs is is luck. A lot of it <laughs> is uh, you know keeping ankles not from being sprained. <laughs> It's make or miss. It's a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. I would put Toronto, honestly, like, especially after the offseason that the Sixers have had, mm -hmm. I would pick them. You know, just, we're just starting the series tomorrow with these teams. I'd probably pick the Raptors in that series, um, especially having Jakob Pertl for that matchup against Embiid. I really like yeah, that a lot. For sure. Um, but, yeah, I just – I. I think that they match up really well with a lot of teams. I think Dame is just this super duper, like supernova superstar still, and has a couple more years in him at that level. If you think that if you're making this trade, and I, I do think that based on how he played last year with the talent that was around him when he was phenomenal, and the Portland Trailblazers had a positive net rating when he was on the court, which is just <laughs> like if you look at that roster and you watch any of the Portland Trailblazers games, like that's amazing stuff right there. So a lot yeah. of carrying Trendon Watford and Jabari Walker on his back. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I think that it's the type of swing that a team that's in the place that Toronto is in right now should make because you keep Scotty. Um, this seems going to get expensive regardless. Yeah, like maybe not as expensive, but it's going to you're going to have to max out Scotty eventually. You're going to probably come damn near close to maxing out uh, OG if you want to keep him. And Siakam's contract is, I mean, if if this plays out where he goes to unrestricted free agency and he has a, another really good year and he's super max eligible, like <laughs> you're in a pickle. So I, I just think the path is, it's cleaner. It makes more sense. If I'm a Psy, my job is easier. Like mm -hmm. I'm all in. I know that. I've got a couple more picks I'll be able to trade. Um, and I've got a new head coach who's really good at development. So maybe I'm targeting younger guys actually mm -hmm. uh, with those vet men's. And um, I know you said Terrence Ross. Sure. Like that's great. That's it's awesome. just for me. That's just I know. a treat for Sean. Yeah. No, I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, but I just, yeah, I think I, I'd be really high on this team. It'd be really exciting and be invigorating for the organization. And I think it would just clarify the path that everybody is on. Yeah, I feel like the thing here is, you know, it'd be, I think, almost similar to the Kawhi thing where there were a lot of folks at the time who were like, uh oh, this is terrible, bad idea, he's going to walk. And then you watch him play like two games and him and Danny Green are double chase downing Jalen Brat or Jason Tatum, whatever it was, whatever poor Celtic they uh, humiliated in that second game of the season. And everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is awesome. I feel like that would be the case the very first time Dame Lillard walks into like a 30 foot pull up. It'd be like, oh, okay, this, this is pretty tight, huh? Exactly. I think where people kind of get a little bit confused, I suppose, is when you look at the other offer that seems to be out there from the Heat as sort of like the the base best offer they could even do, which doesn't even seem like it's on the table right now. Obviously, the Blazers are, are going to take their time. You know, 
I think there's maybe this sort of response of, well, why would they have to put Scotty in? Like, could they not find a way to sort of find a middle ground that's still a better offer than what the Heat have to put out there? You know, could it be like an OG-centered package? You know, does that get complicated because the the the, the Blazers don't want to have the, the sort of contract thing hanging over their head? Or does he get the chance to kind of go be OG Ananobi or Jeremy Grant 2.0 playing next to Jeremy Grant or something like that? Um, you know, that there's, there's that sort of idea out there. Is it more of a, like an OG plus picks package type of thing? Um, I, I, even earlier this week on the pod, our pal Asad Alvi from Yahoo Sports pointed out, like, what if you find like a three-way deal where Siakam ends up going somewhere? And you keep Scotty and, you know, you kind of find a way to, to whatever you get back for Pascal ends up going into the offer for the Blazers uh, to, to get Scotty, or sorry, to get Damon in town playing with Scotty. You know, that's interesting, too. I think a big part of the appeal is pairing Dame and Pascal because they're such a hand and glove fit. But, um, you know, do you think there's maybe a middle ground here where the Raptors could get into the Dame Lillard sweepstakes, have an offer on par or better than what the Heat have without Scotty being in there? Or is it kind of Scotty or bust here? If I'm Portland, it's Scotty or bust. It's like yeah. not even a question. I'm super intrigued by pairing this guy who's like, you know, his absolute ceiling is like uh, Magic Johnson 2.0. <laughs> like that's like Magic Johnson with a defensive player of the year ability. Like that's his absolute ceiling. And I'm pairing that with Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp and um I think that that is like the core. And then I can just envision my organization doing battle with Victor Wembanyama in the Western Conference for like <laughs> half decade. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just really um, exciting stuff that your fan base can get behind that. I don't think any any logical suitor for Dame can match that blue chip type of right. prospect mm-hmm. um, with Miami. Like, well, let me, let me just say, like with Portland, they're reportedly very interested in a, a, a lot of picks plus a very good young talent. And I just, I don't know what, uh, where that package is coming from. If they want that, that, that mm-hmm. isn't a realistic sense. Um, and that's why even if this were to be a conversation between these two or, or two organizations, I do think that Portland, I do think it could fall apart if Portland was pushing for more picks too. And, um, or Grady Dick also like, mm-hmm. I, I just think like from their position, like I tried to make it as fair as possible when I'm doing sure. this in like a fake manner. Um, <laughs> but I think both teams would be thinking that they're giving up a little too much, particularly if you're Toronto and you're saying we're getting like, we're giving up Scotty who's could be, he could have 10 years of, of all-star performance ahead of him for a guy who, uh, is 33 and super duper expensive over the mm. next four years, making $63 million in 2027. Like, and that's going to be like a total disaster. Also, like he could be unhappy to the point of after a year being like, I can't do this again. Like I can't, I don't, I'm so unhappy here. Like it, the downside is real. I'll just say mm-hmm. that if you're making a trade like this and there's a lot of risk, but I don't know if I'm Portland, I just, I'm less enthused. I'm usually a picks person. I want all sure. the picks. Give me all the picks. <laughs> you but if I, if I can get <laughs> exactly, if I can get Scotty Barnes, I'm over the moon about it, honestly. And I know Mike Schmidt's over there in that front office loves Scotty too. So I think mm-hmm. he would be super happy. But it's just a really unusual situation where I have my foundation already. I'm moving on from Dame, and I'm getting the, the foundations here. Um, we have all our own picks and. I think we can grow organically still and be like awesome. 
in mm-hmm. four or five years, we can have two all-stars. We can have two like mega talents when they're in their primes, if we keep them. Plus whatever Shaden Sharp is going to be. And Shaden Sharp could be incredible too. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you have this big three um, that like reminds people of the the KD Westbrook Harden Thunder. That's, that's like, <laughs> seriously, like that's like honestly what I think is like the absolute ceiling here for this for this young trio and what Portland could be. So I'm less in, interested in the picks and more super excited about getting Scotty if I'm if I'm Portland doing this transaction. But like OG is just like not. I'm sorry, yeah. no disrespect. It's just not the same level of upside and potential as with a Scotty. Uh, and like he can walk in a year. And is OG going to want to re up with the Blazers? It's uh, it's a totally fair thing that might cause that idea to come crashing down. You know the reason, Mike, I am probably a little more pro this trade than a lot of folks is while I like Scotty Barnes quite a bit, and I think there's a very real chance he taps into whatever his like upper crust outcome is. I also think there's a little bit to be worried about. If you're like building a team around Scotty Barnes, I want to get into that in a sec. Cause I feel like an outside perspective on Scotty Barnes would be very useful here because frankly, this trade ain't happening, right? Like we know this is probably not going down. And so what we're going to do after the break is dig into the Raptors outlook. If it is just Scotty's show uh, and what Mike thinks about Scotty's upside long-term here in Toronto. We'll get to that in a sec. Before we do that, however, just a reminder, go check out Locked on Blue Jays with our friend Craig Ballard, breaking it all down. Yesterday, nice win over the Padres. Big weekend series in Seattle this weekend. Get all the deets on uh, what's coming up on Alec Manoa, forgetting how to throw pitches, all that good stuff. Craig Ballard's covering it over on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube with Locked on Blue Jays. All right, Mike, let's round it out here. Scotty's upside. I, uh, you know, I, I feel kind of like a curmudgeon about Scotty Barnes sometimes, but I think it's mostly just sort of my own philosophy on young players and that I kind of feel like we get a little bit too seduced by the absolute upside and kind of don't exercise enough realism with these guys sometimes. And I kind of feel like that happens with Scotty Barnes in Toronto quite a bit. I'm curious, you know, if the likely thing happens here and Scotty Barnes is sort of given the keys to the team, whether Pascal's on it or not, we know that Darko Ryakovich has talked all summer long about the ball being in Scotty's hands. It would stand to reason he's probably going to get run as like the starting point guard on this team, which I've talked at length about. I think that's a bit of a dubious thing right now. Um, where are you at on that idea? Just kind of giving it over to Scotty, having him run the show. Can he do that? You know, what's kind of standing in his way from effectively doing it? And what do you think like the realistic long-term outlook here is if, you know, if Scotty Barnes is kind of the dude they build this thing around, does he have the juice to kind of lead them to that level of contention where, yeah, you do have a shot. You you are you do have a puncher's chance of going deep. Yeah, I think that Scotty's, uh, like I said, his ultimate upside, best case scenario, is like the Hall of Fame. <laughs> like he's he could make multiple All NBA teams. He could be one of the best defenders in basketball. He's true one through five. In his versatility, he can rebound, he can pass, he's selfless, um, he can post, he's super strong, uh, very aggressive, very smart. And I don't, you know, I think like coming into the league, he was uh, very gregarious and charismatic. And I think that's like shifted a little bit from year one to year two with regards Everyone to Everyone like, was mad all last year, man. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah. It was, rhymes with schmick schmirsch. Uh, I think it was maybe sure. some reasons as to why that was going on. <laughs> exactly. And I think like the fit was a little, uh, it was tough. Like the floor was very claustrophobic and um, there was like the tension of uh, young 
what was the what did fred call him the golden child the golden boy yeah yeah, yeah the golden yeah. boy um <laughs> so there was all that and I, I think like that's not nothing but it's also not something to get hung up about i just think scotty is ideal in a lot of ways and particularly where the league is is going with his size and his handle and all that sort of stuff i love playmaking he's like i'm a sucker for it so his skill set is right up my alley um but i also think that to be a true you know, a true best player on a champion, you got to score. Mm-hmm. You got to score efficiently. I don't think you have to shoot threes, make threes, but it's very helpful. And um, it's limiting when, you know, if, if I don't think Scotty will shoot 28% from behind the three-point line his whole career, but it is very limiting if he does. And uh, it, it kind of short circuits the different roles he can play offensively. It, it, it limits the types of players that you can bring into your your organization and your culture. And um, all of a sudden, you know, maximizing Scotty becomes a little trickier if he can't shoot um, or if he is unwilling to shoot or be as aggressive as a typical MVP candidate is scoring the basketball. And that is why, like, looking at it from Portland's point of view, I think it's like – an incredible fit because Mm -hmm. you have the guy who um, can be the 25, 26 points per game player that you just drafted. So uh, that's where I get really intrigued. And um, I think Scotty could be ultimately like, you know, we talked about magic Johnson, like he could be the ideal Scotty Pippen of his generation. Sure. Where you're just like the best one B um, player in basketball and um, you can s- set ball screens. You can make plays out of the short roll. Again, I already said like you could post up and initiate and draw two and swing the ball. Like just all these different things that he can do or will be able to do in his prime at just a, a really high level where you're not really seeing a lot of weaknesses in his game. Um, and there's less responsibility on his shoulders to score. And it just kind of allows him to shine in all the ways that he's special um making others around him better so like that's not impossible in toronto but Mm -hmm. i just don't like if you want to win right now which they do clearly by how they're operating as a front office like i don't know necessarily what the idea is for scotty's development that kind of coincides with that and allows Mm -hmm. both those things to happen at the same time if that makes any sense like does make sense no Makes perfect sense. I think, you know, it's really, I have so little idea of what the hell the team's going to look like going into the year that I, I don't really know. I know they say they want to win and all of that, but there's a world in which they kind of decide, all right, maybe it's just best that we sort of take a step back without it being like a teardown. It's like a step back in the interest of kind of rebuilding in sort of a, you know, we, we kind of clean the slate. We, we get it a roster that makes more sense around Scotty, you know, by way of trading Pascal or whatever. And then it's sort of a, you know, we're at this sort of level. We're not, you know, bottom five in the league bad, but like we're going to start from here and kind of build it from there and sort of try to level it up year over year with Scotty. I see that as a totally reasonable path forward. I guess I'm just less sure that Scotty Barnes ever gets to even be as good as Pascal Siakam, right? Like that's a hard thing to do. He's a two time All NBA player. That like if he can't even be that good, then what are we even doing here? <laughs> and that's very much an outcome for him. If the shooting doesn't come along, if the um, just like the the lack of a pull up threat and the lack of real sort of blow by ability is gonna you know sort of 
limit his effectiveness as a point guard type. You know, I, I think there's a lot of stuff standing in the way. The two-point efficiency last year was not great. He fell off from basically every area of the floor in terms of his efficiency. You know, that, that could be part of the, the team context and all of that, certainly. But th- there's some red flags there that make it me feel like the super high-end outcome that you've laid out, which I agree is on the table, makes me feel like that's a little less likely than I thought it was maybe 18 months ago or 10, 12 months ago, whatever it might be. And so... Go ahead, make the deal, man. Uh, I uh, last one here for you, Mike. You know, assuming this doesn't go down, is there another move out there that you'd like to see the Raptors pursue? Whether it's just like a small guard addition, whether it's sort of a consolidation, you turn OG into multiple players who make more sense around the team. Obviously, the Pascal trade feels like it's on hold right now because of the whole. I don't want to resign anywhere kind of hurting his trade value and the, the sort of pending UFA of it all that that's that's a big thing. So if you're sitting in the Raptors, you know, front office right now, what are you pitching? What's like the next move if in fact this Dame thing doesn't actually go down like it does when I go to sleep and put my head on the pillow at night? <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly like I don't I don't know what little move you could make that moves the needle in a mm-hmm. in a positive way like You've signaled like the Jakob Pertl trade and then re-signing him to a four-year contract. Like it's just like some you don't do that if it's like a, I don't even know if you'll describe it as a, a slight overpay. Maybe that's negligible, but like the bottom line is you don't make that type of commitment with that type of player where he is in his career if you're not trying to win right now. And um, so you look up and down the roster with the moves that they've made, and it's just like. And I, I couldn't get over the Dennis Schroeder signing, honestly, when I saw that happen. I was like, was that just like a panic move? Like, what, what, are, they, <laughs> do, what are they doing? Like, that was... It was like, he's the best guard left. Let's just get a guard in the door, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he's going to be really good in second units. I don't think he can play with the starters because, uh, you know, shooting's important. But, you know, I digress. <laughs> yeah. So especially using your whole non-taxpayer, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> we don't need to get <laughs> up on it. But it was just very curious to me. But... You know, if I was Toronto, I guess what I would do short of really pushing this Dame trade is I would keep, I mean, I think OG is, uh, I want to keep OG. I like OG. I think he has value regardless of what contract he's on Mm -hmm. um, going forward, given his age and his upside. And I think teams are really attracted to him and he showed a lot of the defensive end last season. Um, I would keep Pascal up until the trade deadline and then i would you know i would be making calls about what's the maximum that i can get right now in this marketplace for pascal siakam and if it's not you know uh three firsts or something like if i can't win that trade in dominant fashion then i'll be fine and i'll just go into this offseason and kind of see what happens there but uh yeah I, don't, I mean i just think they're like i don't want to say screwed but it's just they're in such a, a tricky situation in terms of just not having a lot of clarity about what you want to do yeah as an organization and i think like when gary opted in i think that really confused a lot of people maybe <laughs> in the organization too and that like that could have had a trickle down effect, I think, on the Fred offers. And okay, if we offer Fred this, we're in the luxury tax. And then if we're in the luxury tax here, like oh, with the long term deal with Fred, like what does that mean for the second April? So I just think like 
I don't know. I, They're I, weird, man. I'll come really back to tough. it. It's a weird, weird spot that they've painted themselves into, and I don't know how they tiptoe out of it. There's hey, hey, man, like, is there a world in which they come in next year and Darko Ryakovich is the genius he's been uh, sort of peddled to be, and mm-hmm. the offense scrapes by, and the defense is like elite? I think there's a real chance that it probably is, um, and like things look a little better than we thought, and like you know the whole expectations being low thing makes it a really fun and you know the season that kind of brings back the joy and the fervor and all of that. Totally. I just, I feel like there has to be at least one more move for a guard type. Like, even if it's just like you find a way to get Ayo Desunmu like, on an RFA deal and you flip like a precious in a sign and trade or something like that. I'm like super, you know, on Emmanuel quickly as well as a Raptors target. I don't know how you do it, but I think he would be perfect. And yeah. you could argue he like steps in and as soon as next year could be seen as a better player than Fred Van Vliet overall, or at least within the next couple of years. That's kind of my dream, but uh, yeah, it's uh, a. <laughs> When, yeah, when you're dreaming about Emmanuel quickly and Ayo Desunmu, things ain't going so hot, man. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the thing is also, like, they're, I think, 5.2 under the tax now yeah, or something like yeah. that. So that's always, you know, in the back of your head. And they spent the biannual on McDaniels, so they're hard capped. So just, like, you know, I don't. Uh, that's really not a huge concern, but that's just something to keep in mind when you're trying to talk about adding someone like quickly, who I think, uh, you know, Comes in second and sixth man of the year and will be kind of expensive potentially um, at some point. But yeah, it, they're very weird. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I think like one of the things I, I, I mentioned in the story is just that there is a, uh, an increasing belief around the league that the parody that we saw last year was real. Mm-hmm. The difference between the haves and the have nots is shrinking. And you've seen organizations like um, the Chicago Bulls buy into this, where it's like, I think they firmly believe that what we have is good enough to, like, like the Bulls, the Hawks, I guess the Raptors believe this also. Um, there's a few more teams where it's just like, we can do what the Heat did. We sure. can we can go on we can get in the play in. We saw the Lakers do this also. Get in the play in, go on a run. Um, a lot of lucky stuff can happen in a playoff series. And why can't we get hot from behind the three point line? Or why can't our opponent get cold from behind the three point line? Or why can't our opponent sprain his ankle? Um, one of their best players sprain their ankle, and all of a sudden we we steal a game on the road. Game two, like all that stuff is. Uh, I think. Um, in the heads of NBA executives in a way that kind of like is frustrating. And I don't, I think parody is increasing around the league, but not really like, I don't think you should be like, Oh, look at what the heat did. We can do that for yeah, a million unless you reasons. can get Jimmy Butler. Uh, I don't know how attainable that really is. Break Giannis LeBron back. James. Yeah, yeah. Just like that stuff is just, <laughs> They a lot of injury luck, a lot like a lot of injury luck for both those teams, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I know that they were hurt too, so I don't want to have the Heat Mafia come after <laughs> me. <laughs> but, but like, uh, yeah, I just don't think that that is like a a real thing you should sell your ownership on. Look at what the Heat did. We could be the Heat. I, I think that's like, I think that's dumb and lazy. Sorry, that's just that's just what I think. <laughs> No, it makes sense. By the way, speaking of ownership, that's a whole other spicy banana we'll have to talk about very soon with uh, spicy banana, spicy meatball. 
why did I say spicy banana? That's weird. A spicy uh, banana sounds disgusting. I'm well, I had lie. I recently I had some spicy plantain chips a couple days ago, so maybe I had like spicy banana adjacent thing in my head. Uh, they were good, by the way. Mm-hmm. Spicy plantain chips, not bad. Okay. Um, but yeah, spicy meatball, the ownership thing. We'll probably have to dig into that with someone who is smarter about ownership stuff and MLSE strife and giant telecom companies in the coming days. Because I do think that's maybe being a little bit underplayed as a storyline. And all of the uncertainty with the Raptors is uh, Larry Tannenbaum and pension plans and all this stuff. Maybe buying the team and oh man, remember uh, 2004 05. Buckle up, baby. Uh, get me a Mike James, and uh, I'll be right back and, and comfortable. Uh, we're going to wrap it there before I spiral, spiral too much more. Mike, this was lovely. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you giving the time. Uh, where can people check out all your wonderful work? Uh, over on TheRinger.com. That would be great. Um, little, I mean, it's like the dead season right now, so mm-hmm. I haven't been writing too much, but I, I do have a piece coming out next week, and season's low-key, I guess, right around the corner, so, you know, The Ringer will have a whole bunch of fun stuff over there, and check us out. Amazing. Go check out all Mike's work, and uh, thank you for tuning in. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back again next Monday, as uh, I'm sure Vivek Jacob will be back, and we'll dig into some more. we got listener questions we didn't get to yesterday. We've got ownership strife to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about all the different pathways here for the Raptors as well as, uh, you know, day 21 continues of uh, watching Pascal Siakam be a trending thing on my Twitter. Uh, it's been great. Really loving this whole drawn-out process. It's wonderful, and it's really cool that NBA teams uh, don't make all their moves at the start of July. I love it. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, Mike, for hopping on. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for hanging.